and I advise people, you know, you have to recognize the end goal is to have clients, but you will not secure that day one. You'll plant seeds on day one. You're listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Each episode, your host, author, and lawyer coach, Steve Fretzen, will take a deeper dive, helping you grow your law practice in less time with greater results. Now, here's your host, Steve Fretzen. Hey, everybody. Steve Fretzen here with Be That Lawyer. I hope you are having a lovely day today or evening or whatever time you're walking your dog, in your car, sitting in your office. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm imagining you're probably multitasking because that's what lawyers try to do. And I appreciate that. And as you guys know, this show is all about helping you to be that lawyer, somebody who's confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. So we're going to we're gonna dive right in today. We have a lot to cover with this. I've got a, just an amazing guest today. Charles, how you doing? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks for having me. Good to see you in your cell block type office. <laughs> it looks like, yeah, it looks like you're, yeah, like uh, half your office looks like a cell block, but. Uh, yeah, I've got to kind of give you the. Oh, there we go. All right. That looks much cooler. <laughs> he just turned the camera and then I saw, oh no, this is a cool office. Okay. Yeah. Well, very cool. I'm so happy that you're with us. And um, I love to start the show with when people submit the quote of the show. And you sent me a lovely Walt Disney quote. And it is, we keep moving forward, opening new doors and doing new things because we're curious, you know, because we're curious, because we're curious and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. So I'm really interested to hear why you submitted that quote of the thousands that you could have, you could have thrown my way. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, my minor in college was philosophy. So I had just a treasure trove of cool things, but, uh, as a, a former Disney cast member, a part-time guy at radio Disney, I really was inspired by that quote because everything changes every day. Sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's huge. Uh, and I have learned over the years to just anticipate it because if you don't, if when you're certain that things are not going to change anymore, that's when you're just asking for trouble. So I do think the industry, this industry and others reward curiosity, reward open eyes and people who, um, who are looking for the next exciting thing coming down the pike. Yeah, I see that too. And uh, I'm I'm always trying to stay two or three steps ahead of my teenager, my wife, my business, the lawyers I work with. And it's it's challenging to do, but I think it's important. And I'm I'm reading the news every day and really trying to keep up with technology and things that are changing, you know, economically, politically, and and everything. Because to your point, you know, you just you just don't know unless you unless you pay attention. Yeah, you know, I, I began working in law firms in nineteen ninety one which is obviously a long time ago. But from a technological standpoint, if you think that Outlook, Microsoft Outlook, didn't come out until 97, uh, <laughs> you know, I've been in the business before a lot of the technology that we take for granted was even a thing. And so it has been really exciting to see how that's changed how the business of law works. Yeah, and I, still, I see that you've got a fax machine behind you. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> no? All right. No. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, hey, Charles Gillis, you are the executive director at Platt. Is it Chima? Chima. Chima and Richmond. And so you're not a lawyer, but you're the executive director. So tell me about how you, so tell me about your background a little bit beyond Disney and then leading into, you know, getting into legal and then, and then 
What does that role mean for you at your current, at the firm that you're with? Yeah. So I literally started at the very bottom of the ladder in law firms as a courthouse runner back when fax machines were our cutting edge technology. And, uh, you know, you, you literally had to run to the courthouse to file papers in triplicate. And um, I thought this was going to be a nice college job, a little money to help me pay tuition. And surely I won't hang around these lawyers very long. Uh, and uh, over the years, just never, it, every time I thought I would leave the industry, something better or exciting came down. So I was promoted to the file room and then administration. And by the time I graduated with my undergraduate degree, I was already an office manager of, of a law firm. And so thought, you know, maybe uh, at some point I'll get my MBA and that will get me out. And really that just got me into bigger, you know, into bigger uh, positions, bigger law firms. And so, you know, after 25 years or so, you go, okay, I'm probably just going to see this through. Uh, but, but it's too been, deep. You're in yeah, deep. I'm too deep. I, and they keep pulling me in. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's been really wonderful. I learned early on uh, that, you know, they're being surrounded by so many truly uh, exceptional, brilliant people. I, I realized early on that despite the potential they had to make tremendous changes, uh, you know, in their clients' lives, in their communities, they were constrained uh, by a lack of resources or competing demands. And the solution to that often was good administration, good support. So I adopted a philosophy very early on that I felt lawyers are most successful when they do two things, when they focus on practicing, you know, serving their clients and developing new clients. And that if they do anything beyond that, as a business, the firm is probably losing money. So I've just developed my, I spent my entire career in trying to find ways to help lawyers be more efficient and really focus on those higher purposes. Yeah. And that's, and that's a big part of what I'm doing every day too, Charles, is, is trying to get all the, the BS and the junk and the, and the, the, the time suck activities off the plate of the attorney through automation, through delegation, through all the different tools that now exist. And some of them are, are embracing that and excited about it and see the vision of the client facing business development life. Right. And then there's others that are just so trapped in it. They just can't, they can't see the forest through the trees. And your book, which I had a chance to review before we we met today, The Seven-Year Trap, Back Office Observations of the Business of Law and the Path to Partnership, I thought it was fantastic. And so like essentially demystifying a lot of the different questions that associates and people coming up in law would have. And I'd love to hear kind of like how you decided to write the book, and then we can get into some of the things that the book talks about. And I've got a bunch of questions for you. Right. Well, you know... I saw so many trends over the years, and I don't think I'm the smartest guy in the industry, but I certainly have been through a lot, and I think my you know, wisdom is, is just scar tissue, and uh, I think I've been around enough that I've seen what can happen in a, in a lot of law firm environments. And I noticed pretty early on that the key to becoming safe in your career, secure, successful in your career was to become an equity partner. And the majority of people who become equity partner do so only by developing a book of business. So I put a lot of time into helping people through the various stages, literally from being a law clerk up to that equity partner consideration. 
And at, after about 25 years or so, I took a couple of years off to do recruiting and consulting on my own. Uh, let me spend more time with my kids. It was a great couple of years. But I got so tired of, of telling the same story to people that were in the same ruts that I thought, I'm just, I just need to write this down and hand it to them. And so that was the, um, the motivation behind the book. And it's, you know, been reasonably popular ever since. And, uh, you know, but people say it helps. So I'm very happy to send it out. I try to give it to law students. I give it to lawyers that have been caught up in layoffs. Uh, and, you know, the feedback that I usually hear is, I wish I'd have had a resource like this sooner. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like that was sort of like your be that lawyer tipping point too, was not only getting away from working in, you know, the legal, in the law firm space, but also then writing this book and kind of like sharing all of this, of this knowledge and experience to help lawyers from the law school level and up really understand what the paths look like and how law firms really function. And that's something that, that a lot of lawyers that I talk to, especially if they're in the old school, you know, old white guy, pardon my, you know, you know, kind of putting that into a box, but like, you know, old white guys that just kind of decide how things get done because it's the way it's always been done. And then like the way things should be today, which is a very different model. Yeah. I mean, everything is changing, uh, but, and, Yet there are some things that stubbornly don't change. And so I do think it's important for people to understand how the business works, because when I talk to people, particularly at the start of their career, you know, there's a sense that after seven or eight or nine years, you know, I will be partner. And it's almost like you can you can set your watch by it. And it's like this isn't measured by it is measured by experience. There's no doubt. But the, but the reason that law firms used to say seven or eight years is because they felt you needed 14, 15,000 qualitative experiential hours of honing your craft and mastering it before you were eligible to be at the partner level. And a lot of young people, you know, if you come into work and it's a recession and, and you don't have much to do and you're you're caught up in a layoff, you know, as far as your experience goes, that year isn't a full year of experiences. It's not the connections. It's not the at-bats on transactions or trials. And so it's cumulative. And I think that's the big part that people don't realize that that you have to keep building higher and higher and higher. And And this was sort of when the trap started to appear in my mind was that I would see someone who was very productive and felt like I'm doing everything my firm wants me to do, but they were doing doc review year after year after year. And so that's great from the firm's perspective to have a person who's willing to build 22, 2300 hours, not necessarily the best career development path. And I think that's what, if you read the seven year trap, particularly the, the title chapter of the book, this is one of the biggest traps of all is that we confuse the rewards we get for productivity as validation of our career progress. And it's just not the way it works. And, and it so plays into the show that we're talking on right now, Be That Lawyer, because you can be a great lawyer and you can you know, continue to bill hours and continue to, you know, to do good work. That's not necessarily going to reward you on a number of levels. So can, can you talk through why just billing hours and being a good lawyer isn't enough today? It, it really isn't. 
if your goal is to is to get promoted and if your goal particularly is to get promoted to the equity level to be an owner so it's it's obviously very important to master your craft and i advise people you know you have to recognize the end goal is to have clients but you will not secure that day one you'll plant seeds on day one but but the first thing you have to do is win the confidence of your current employer get the experience that you need and hit your production goals. I mean, that's it. It's unavoidable. Whether there's billable hour requirement or, or not, there's still a certain level of production that has to occur. But I think the key is is that once you are secure in in your knowledge, once you have the faith that partners are going to continue to send work to you or clients are going to call you when they have an issue, the I think for many people. It's sort of a pie eating contest where the reward is more pie, right? If I'm doing great on hours and people love it, let me just keep cranking out more and more and more hours. Many of us have recognized that this isn't healthy or sustainable for our families, for our, our mental health, but also it's not it's not building for the future. You're building the profit margin for that year, which you may or may not be a primary recipient of. Rather, once you sort of reach the level of confidence, that's when you need to start pulling off, in my opinion, more and more of your available time into business development. And, you know, it, it's not about landing the million-dollar client. I think that's a, a, this barrier of entry that some young attorneys have. Well, what am I going to do? I'm a first-year. It's like you're going to meet people. You're going to network. You're going to connect. You're going to become knowledgeable of your firm. And each year, rather than put more and more time into your production, once you've met the expectation, you put more and more time into building your business development plan. I think that's the most of the people that I've seen that have gone from first year attorney to equity follow that path. I think it's it's for 98% of the people, it's the way they're going to make it to equity. Okay, let's take a quick break to talk about how Moneypenny is changing the game for lawyers who are losing business every day and may not even realize it. It's impossible to provide amazing client service when you have phone trees, voicemail jail, or untrained staff handling your phones. Every inbound call could be a new client to intake properly or an opportunity lost. With Moneypenny, it's all but insured. The call will be handled exactly the way you want it every time. To take immediate action on this, Write down this email and start your free trial. It's svj at moneypenny.com and just mention my name in the subject line. With the help of Practice Panther, our office is more efficient than ever. We now provide an even higher level of service to our clients. I've collaborated with Practice Panther for years and I'm always hearing from happy customers just like that one. Practice Panther wants to save you up to eight hours every week and I want to save you money. All my listeners can get an exclusive discount, 50% off your first three months. Learn how your firm can boost productivity with automated workflows, custom intake, and native e-payments by visiting practicepanther.com slash be that lawyer to discover more and claim this deal. Legalese Marketing is not your traditional marketing vendor. Instead, we're a true fractional CMO that helps you save time and spend your money the right way to build the practice of your dreams. We help through the entire process, from customizing your intake system to driving leads and even getting more reviews afterwards. Schedule your free call at legalesemarketing.com. Well, and, and the other the other side 
perk, if you will, is let's say you're not trying to make equity, but you're looking for control and freedom and independence in your career and your firm's going to crap, your boss is a tyrant, your firm just got acquired, you're not happy with the big firm model now, whatever it is, if you have that portable book of business, and I've interviewed you know dozens of, of recruiters and I just recently had Stuart on last in the last show. And we're all in agreement that, you know, that's an important part is it's not just about equity. That's a big deal to to move up the ladder and have that kind of security, but then also to be self-sustaining and portable if you need to be or want to be. It's such an important point, Steve. It's not just about staying where you're at and, you know, hitting that equity level at your own firm, but we know most attorneys uh, have an opportunity to hop uh, and and there's, there's just a tremendous amount of churn. Uh, particularly in, in big law. But it is about what you develop for your future. So here's here are the options. You either develop a book of business, which will be valued at some firm somewhere, which will protect you, which will help you create a position in some firm, or you become a non-equity. You could get promoted to partner, but it's a non-equity you know, title senior counsel, senior associate, whatever you want to call it. But the problem with those positions is that there, there's no guarantee. And if you're a, a lawyer starting your practice this year, the layoffs that we're seeing now, the concerns of recession, you're going to run into that four or five more times during your career. It happens almost every 10 years in our economy, and it has since this country was founded. And so it's the downturns that can be particularly risky. So if you're a 60-year-old attorney uh, and you're a non-equity partner, you might be the one who gets cut when a downturn happens. It's an ugly part of the business that many firms won't talk about, but it's reality. So I tell people, listen, you can have a great career as a non-equity. It can be a very, very comfortable plateau. If you're unhappy with it, it may feel like a flat line, uh, but it's great until it isn't. And so I just want people to be prepared for the possibility and to know the variables so that they don't get surprised, right? Yeah. If you, yeah. So uh, it, this, it sounds awful when I say it. I, I know it sounds heartless, but I tell people, if, you, if you're not going to be an owner in the legal space, then financially prepare to retire earlier, right? Save a little more. Just Just be prepared for the down cycle if it hits you when you think you've got another five or six years of paychecks coming. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the, the, the area that is most concerning is the younger folks that are coming up that are in that seven year trap that are, you know, billing hours, they're looking for that balance. I mean, that's what the, the COVID and, and everything is now about, Hey, I've got to live this great life. Right. And I get it. I totally get it. And I thrive and I should say strive to help all of my clients have that balance the way I have it and that they can bill and they can build the book and they can have the vacations and everything. However, there's a price that needs to be paid. There's yes. a price, anything you want to be excellent at doing, anything that you want to accomplish in life, there's a price. And if you're not willing to pay the price and if you're smart, you do it early, you know, when right. you're either single or when you're in that maybe the first, you know, five to 10 years. You get it knocked out where you learn the skills, you learn automation, you learn what you need to do to make business development a sustainable part of your career versus being 45, 50 plus and having all those burdens, three kids, going to college, all this, all these 
costs, all this pressure, and then you know you've got to somehow figure out how to do business development. I completely agree. It it doesn't get easier the longer you wait, and uh, you know, and I think that's you know, my preference is that you ease into it. Right? Yeah. You set reasonable expectations, and if a first year puts fifty hours a year into to business development that first year. When we look back 25 years, you know, and, and look back to that first year, do we think, gosh, that was wasted time? Or how many connections did we make? How many relationships, you know, have, have fostered from, from the efforts of that first year? And they just grow. You know, it, it literally is planting seeds. And the sooner you start, the better. Let me add on something to that, that there are a number of attorneys that I then end up ultimately hiring me and they've been working at it for five years, seven years, 10 years, sheer force and effort. I've heard those words said by a, a very successful client of mine. And it's, it's one thing to wing it and work it out. And there's a tremendous amount of hours that goes into that. However, this podcast, books like yours, books like mine, coaching, automation, becoming a master of time management. There's a lot of things that you can do as a lawyer that will shortcut the road to success versus just figuring it out on your own and winging it, talking to them. You know, your managing partner says, get out there and, and go network. You know, that's not helpful, right? You need to think about systems, processes, language, things that are going to actually be useful to you to cut back on the time that it takes to become successful. I agree 100%, Steve, and, and it's why I am a, a fan of your book, because it lays out such a helpful outline for attorneys to, to follow, to realize that it's not just one giant thing. Uh, it's, it's many things, it's many layers, uh, and, and you know each step you take puts you further down the path. I, I will give you an example of where the delay and then sort of hyper-focusing on the issue can be a risk. So if you're in a law firm uh, that has a, a, an up or out philosophy that, you know, hey, you're either going to make it or we're going to make you enough counsel and, and put you on, on this side of the roster. I have seen associates that were highly valued because they cranked out the work. They were very, very high producers and put no time into their own business development plan. And then you say year six, they inquire to confirm that they're on the partnership path and the firm tells them, why would you be on the partnership path? You don't have any clients. You don't even have prospects. You know, you're, you're on the staff attorney track. I, I have seen people go full stop and say, okay, I am going to just put all my time into business development at, to the detriment of their production to where they've missed their hours requirements thinking that, well, if I just put all my runtime into this, I can build something quickly. And then what happens is, you know, nine months in, not only have they, have they not produced, you know, a million dollar book of business, but now their hours have fallen and they're, they're the low person on the, on the rankings for production. Uh, and they, and they've, and now they have a target on them. So, you know, I, I, it really is something that, that you have to focus on and be consistent on the earlier you start, the better. Yeah. And I would go back so far as to say, you know, you mentioned law school that it's not about developing business in law school. Obviously, you don't even have a job yet, but I think it's looking to your left and to your right and saying, who's going to make it and who's not? Who's going to be a GC in 10 years and who's not? Who's going to, who do I want to network with and keep in touch with and build relationships? 
And that doesn't stop when you graduate from law school. I think your first five years as a lawyer, it's not about, you know, producing a million dollars. That's just unrealistic for anybody. However, continuing to develop relationships, continuing to figure out how to grow and qualify who's going to be real for me in the future and how do I maintain those relationships? Because at some point you're going to want to have a, a serious conversation about how you bring, you know, that that GC into your firm and how you work together and not just get out of the friend zone, if you will, and actually have a business conversation. So I think we need to consider how, where it starts and then how, to your point, um, Charles, how we gradual, gradually build it into the book of business. hundred uh, percent. You know, I, I tell law students, it's not just your current class. Everyone that you did undergrad with, by the time you're out there three years into their career, by the time you're a mid-level associate, they may have purchasing authority. They may own their own businesses. Yeah. So, you know, I, I tell this to high school students. It's like, <laughs> you know, I, ha I have a, a, a friend who's a very successful uh, uh, business executive, you know, who I met in first grade. So you never know, right? Be nice to everybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, except that bully that picked on you and yeah. spitballs in your back of your neck. <laughs> Don't be nice to that guy. can go sit on attack. But everybody else, be nice, be nice. So this is this has been incredibly valuable and helpful. And I was going to make your book, The Seven-Year Trap, our game-changing book of the show. But then I saw the book that you actually put forward, and I had a big smile on my face, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But the book is The Goal, which most people in legal have never heard of, and I've heard of it, and I'll tell you why. But tell me tell me about The Goal and why, why that's your game-changing book, Charles. So The Goal... It's uh, one of these books that when I got my MBA was literally one of the first books somebody handed me and they said, here, read this. It's a novel about business processes, specifically Elio Golrab's uh, Theory of Constraints. And so uh, on the surface, a novel about a factory going through major changes may not seem too compelling. But, but the Theory of Constraints is really about identifying bottlenecks and uh, focusing on throughput. And, and I think why it speaks to me is because it shows in, in a beautiful way, small changes make big impacts and you build on it. And so it's very easy in this business to feel small. You know, if, if, you, if your law firm makes a billion dollars, you're not even in the top 50 anymore. Uh, it's, you know, it's easy to think uh, in a large environment that, that you're not going to be the, you know, the snowflake that causes the avalanche. What I love about the goal is that it, 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 it helps a lot of people see that they can be a part of very positive change and that change can create additional positive change and, and you can make your company a better company and you can make the world a better world. Okay. So I agree with everything you just said, and I'm going to add that I was sitting down with one of, with my wife and, and one of my, my oldest and best friend clients who ran a data security company and his wife. And he says, Steve, you're going to write a book. And I go, what? He goes, you're going to write a book. And this is before I wrote any books. And he goes, and you're going to write it like a book called, like this book called The Goal. And I said, what are you talking? He says, well, first you're going to read the book, The Goal. And then I'm going to, we're going to talk about this book that you're going to write about you know, that what you're teaching lawyers or not at the time I was teaching entrepreneurs, but you know, sales-free selling, which is my first book. So it's, so the goal is written as a parable, as you mentioned, as a novel, it's characters instead of how to, it's not a how to book, right. it's a characters interacting. And I was so taken with that book and the way that it came across as a way of learning 
versus a way of being told, you know, here's, you know, here's the bullet points and here's the, this, that, and the other, which I love writing that way too. But I ended up writing my first book in, in a similar fashion to the goal. And it was, it was the hardest book I've ever written. Not one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, but it was so worth it because the, the feedback was what an easy way to read a book about business development, or in this case, sales reselling, which is, you know, business development light, if you will. Um, so that's why the goal means so much to me because it was really the the key inspiration to me getting my first book out and 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 boy, it wasn't the easiest first book to write. I should have started <laughs> with one of my other books, like the networking book, and then moved into it. But anyway, ah, uh, so so great, but so great. I so I'm so happy that you know we were able to get connected and that we were able to have some great conversation and get you on the show to share your wisdom. And everybody picked up the seven year trap. Buy it for a law school student. Buy it for an associate who's maybe a little, you know, as a little, a little, you know, confused about the real, the reality of the law firm space. And it's a great way to demystify what's really going on in the legal in the legal space. And Charles, you did such a great job of of laying it out in a very easy read. Well, thank you, Steve. I, I truly appreciate that. Uh, love, love, uh, love the feedback. And um, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I. I I will tell you, having having people tell me if I only had this a few years earlier really motivates me to give it out even more. So yeah, yeah, we got to get this into law schools. My books, I, I I've got a law school right now working on my book, working off of my book, and I'm I'm trying to get more, and I'm going to really work at that. And maybe I'll take your book with me, and we'll we'll do a, a partnership on that. That sounds uh, great. But and just before we wrap up, everybody want to take a moment to thank our amazing sponsors, Money Penny helping on your website and with with live reception, virtual reception. We got legalese marketing helping to automate your marketing and take it off your off your back. And of course, Practice Panther, which is the easiest way to get into a uh, a practice management system for your law firm. Thanks again, Charles. A really great chatting with you. You and I got to stay in touch. We got to keep in the loop with each other because I don't want this to I don't want this conversation to end with this podcast. I want to make sure we we stay together and keep talking. You bet. Looking forward to it. Awesome. And hey, thank you everybody for spending some time with Charles and I today. Hopefully you got a couple of good thoughts. And again, you know, if this was helpful to you, wonderful. If this is something that opened up your eyes, even better. And, you know, share this podcast and share, you know, this kinds of conversations with the law school students in your life, the the younger associates who are maybe a little bit confused about, you know, what's really going on in legal and what their direction needs to be so they can eventually, yes, I'm going there, be that lawyer, someone who's confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. Take care, everybody. Be safe, be well. And of course, we will talk again real soon. Thanks for listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Visit Steve's website, fretson.com, for additional information and to stay up to date on the latest legal business development and marketing trends. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out today's show notes.